0: Welcome to the Lord's house this Pentecost Sunday when we celebrate the birthday of the church at the coming of the Holy Spirit, which we've just been singing about. It's also a special weekend here in this community. We welcome all visitors that are here, especially those from the Houghton College class of 1966. Before we join in the call to worship, a brief heads up um, about today's prelude you just heard and a postlude, a vital part of the worship. After the benediction and the congregational threefold amen at the end of the service our organist and this ensemble will render the final variation of the Vani uh, Creator a profound utterance of worship and then a glorious burst of praise to the Father Son and Holy Spirit so i just want to warn you to hold on to your seats at the end the final measures will nearly transport us to the gates of heaven so now, please stand, if you would, and are able, and join me in the call to worship printed in your bulletin. The God of rushing wind and fire dwells here in our presence in this hour and every hour. Glory. God who called all the world into being calls forth new life in us today. Glory be to God in purpose, we are power. God whose Spirit unites all people in a common language of love confirms His gifts in us as we gather here. Glory be to God. Let's pray. We are awed to be in your presence, O Lord, and we are humbled that you offer us your church, power from on high, the Holy Spirit. Throughout this service, help us worship you in spirit and in truth. Keep us focused on you and in tune with everything you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. What a great joy and pleasure to come together, privilege to worship our God and to be in this place this morning. Uh, we want to give you an opportunity to uh, share a word of greeting or of peace with others who are here in worship as well. so let me invite you to do that before you're seated. We want to welcome you to our worship service today, and as Paul mentioned, it is a, a great weekend for the college, the college campus, and we welcome those of you who are here uh, for a variety of reasons, and uh, we want to, uh, hope it's been a great weekend for you. There are a few things I want to highlight, uh, some announcements that are in your bulletins. But Let me first say, I recognize that uh, we ran out of bulletins a little bit ago, so we've made some quick copies of them. So if you don't have a bulletin, then it's kind of helpful in the service following along. If you need one, maybe just raise your hand real quick and we will get a bulletin to you and we'll let the ushers know. So anyone need bulletins or are we good? Everybody's gotten them? Okay. If you need one, just let us know. We'll be glad to get that for you. Next uh, Sunday is our, um, in the morning, we are electing our leaders for the year and also approving the budget. So you, uh, Please make note of that next Sunday morning. And next Sunday evening is our annual vision meeting. And uh, it's a time where we come together and uh, hear some things about what God's done in the past and look forward to the future as uh, we talk together and uh, pray together about uh, what God may have in store for us as a body of believers. So we hope you'll be a part of that gathering as well. Um, Starting at the end of May and into the first few days of June, uh, the Wesleyan uh, Global Partners missionaries are going to be here from all over the world. They're bringing all the missionaries home for this event, and they will be here on the Houghton College campus. And as a part of uh, the church serving them, we have volunteered to help out with child care. And so we have uh, five mornings and four evenings of child care. And quite frankly, it's a little bit overwhelming because there are a lot of children, and, uh, but it's a way we want to serve. But we do need some help with that. And if you are available for one or more of those times in the morning or, the, or in the evening, uh, as many as possible, um, this is a way of serving uh, people who serve in other places of the world. And so you can let uh, Emily know. And uh, this is in preparation for General Conference, which will be uh, in Buffalo at the, uh, starting on the 4th of June. So we, uh, we want to thank you in advance for helping out with this. You can just contact the church and we'll get you connected to one of those times. This is also, uh, also you see the jars up here. And if you weren't here last week, the booklets. We started a, a refugee project helping them. And uh, you can just uh, take, feel free you to get one of those. Just come up after the service, grab a jar and a booklet. There are a weekly a reading for each week. And we're just asking each family unit to give a dollar a week. And uh, But to make it an event where it's not just about the money, but it's about sort of acclimating our hearts to people who are refugees in the world. And so there is a reading for each week as you put in your dollar and a prayer. Uh, time to pray together. And then early September, we'll bring all of our jars back and we'll uh, celebrate the collection of those. And then we will take them back home with a new booklet and start over again. So we, uh, we really would love for you to be a part of this. If you're visiting this morning and you think you'd like to be a part of this project, feel free to come up and grab a jar and a booklet. You can send your money to us or to another, an organization that you know helps refugees. Uh, it's just a way for the church to support people who are in need. Also, next Sunday, we are collecting our Faith Promise uh, cards, and Paul Shea is going to share a little bit more about that.
0: I realize for you visitors, this is a lot of uh, housekeeping for our own congregation. so, uh, But you can listen in on what our church is doing. Listen in. This is about the two-page insert, if you've got a bulletin, and maybe there's some more out back, uh, on our Faith Promise. Several years ago, this congregation realized that... Um, Our capacity for missions giving was larger than what we included in our weekly budget and our yearly budget for missions, which was about 15%, but there was more we wanted to accomplish. The solution was faith promise giving, something that a lot of churches, especially in the Wesleyan Church, do. um, Giving above and beyond normal tithes and offerings and watching what God amazingly provides so we can do that during the year. This coming fiscal year, which begins June 1st, our faith promise will help support six wonderful global partner missionary families that our church has been uh, supporting all along, except that this year the addition of our own Pastor Kevin, Cindy, and Josiah Austin, who have been newly appointed as missionaries to return to the Czech Republic. Next Sunday, the Austins will be bringing the message and sharing God's leading in their lives and the work in Czech. And also next week, we will um, need to be prepared to turn in our faith promise pledge or promise what we by faith believe that God will supply through us during the next year. I can attest that along with many others, it's been a real privilege to see what God is able to do in surprising ways. It could be a a check from a brother who's stingy. No, not stingy, but anyway, just a check that arrived. Or... It could be income tax return that was surprising or more bus jobs down at Fillmore than I expected to have. And God supplied because I had faith, little faith maybe sometimes. Maybe some of you have been on the sidelines in past years. So we urge you to join in in a prayer for God to guide you and sense what God wants you to do as individuals or families. Even children or teens can do this because God loves to answer prayer. So we collect these next week, and show and tell is, on that sheet is a tear-off. And I got in trouble first service, but anyway, uh, I said you could put it in your Bible and have it for next week, or put it in your pocket and wear the same clothes next week, and it didn't go over very well. But (laughs) this is it. Keep this. See what God wants you to do. We'll collect them next week, and collectively we'll know what God is going to provide for these missionary families in the future. Praise God. Now we go back to maybe a more serious worship, although that is worship as we give. And I'd like to read our scripture today from the Old Testament, Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is within me a prayer to God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is the word of the Lord. If you're able, stand with me as we sing the doxology and the ushers come to receive our tithes and offerings. you in word and song and also with these tithes and offerings. Our hearts are full of gratitude for all your blessings. Multiply these tokens of our thanks for your kingdom's sake. Amen.
1: Please join me in the prayer of confession, and following the prayer of confession, we will uh, join together in an extended time of prayer. And it's been our practice uh, for a while. If you'd like to come and use the altar rail as a place where you offer your prayers, I invite you to join me. Let us pray together. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, mind, and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Fill us with the desire to want you to change what we are and to direct what we shall be, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come today in the spirit of thanksgiving for you are good and merciful and gracious beyond anything we could deserve. We come today and and offer ourselves to you, giving thanks for all that you've offered for us. We thank you for the joy of friendship, and even this weekend, the joy of some friendships renewed. Thank you for the relationships in our lives. Thank you for the ability to create and to do and to make a difference in this world. Father, we know that you are with us in the times that we call good and in the times that are more difficult. This morning we come with a variety of burdens and concerns and we lay all of them at your feet. We pray for all who are grieving today and we think especially of family and friends of Jasmine Uvino, a high school student who was killed last weekend. We pray your grace upon those who grieve that situation and many others. Father, we pray for all who are struggling with health concerns. We think of Lillian Clow, Nancy Lucky's mother, and for Sheldon Emerson and Doug Bogdan, for Barb Rangel and Bob Jobert, for Laurel Bucher, Warren Woolsey, for Bill Getty and Phil Muker, for Mike Raybuck, Jill Tyson, Bruce Brenneman. For Bev Rett and Micah Christensen, for Linda Roth, for Dick Gould, Crystal Blake, Emily Crickla, and for others who may be on our minds and our hearts this morning. Father, we pray for uh, all who are who have just graduated here at the college and other places. As you think about the future, there is a sense of excitement, but also perhaps a sense of uncertainty. We pray that you will bring your peace you're leading, guiding for those in that situation and for others who are looking to the future, wondering what exactly it may hold. Father, we, we pray that you will continue to bless the ministry, not only of our church, but churches around us. We pray today for the First Baptist Church of Belmont and Pastor Downer. Thank you for their work and ministry, and we pray that you would bond them together together and that you would allow them to be a beacon of light in their community and beyond. We think of needs of our nation, people of Flint, Michigan. We continue to pray for them. We pray, Father, for people of of Buffalo, and we think especially of the work that Steve and Ruth Strand are doing there in in the city as they prepare for this Faithful Presence presentation. Part of that, we ask that you would work miraculously to give us new hearts of compassion and love for the people of the city of Buffalo and other places. Father, we think of, of the world beyond us. We think about the the team that's the class leaving here today to go to Romania and ask for your grace upon them. We pray that you would give us a sense of, of faith as we so we pray about how you want us to be involved in, this, in the faith promise giving and Father we want to pray for our brothers and sisters who face great persecution opposition we think today of the Assyrian Christians so instrumental in the early church but now so heavily persecuted we pray that you will give courage and hope we pray, Father, that you will help them to be even in the midst of these dark and difficult times to be a witness for you to those who treat them worse. We pray for your protection, your grace upon them, and Father, may our hearts be stirred and renewed by watching their walk with you. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. we offer our prayers in the strong, powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who went to the cross for us, the one who rose from the dead and ascended to be with you and has promised to come back to us and establish his kingdom. It's in his name we pray, remembering the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come.
0: Stand with us for the reading of the gospel and remain standing for the hymn. Reading from John chapter 1, verses 35 to 39. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you evaluate your level of contentment Your response may vary from day to day, depending on your circumstances and what's happening in your life. But when we're honest, I wonder if more of us would find ourselves closer to number one, deeply restless, than to number ten, utterly content. Because at one time or another, all of us are looking for something, we sense that life isn't all that we want it to be, that something is missing, that there has to be more to life than this. We need something that is beyond ourselves, something that brings deeper meaning, more significance, something that will enable us to live fuller and deeper lives. There's something about this search This restlessness that we find in the story that we just read in the Gospel of John. John the Baptist is out around the Jordan River preaching repentance and baptizing those who truly repent. He's gathering a lot of attention, not only from those coming to hear him preach and be baptized, but also from the Jewish religious leaders in Jerusalem. While the religious leaders ask their theological questions, people keep coming to be baptized. At the height of John's popularity, Jesus comes asking to be baptized. John's hesitant because he seems to know who Jesus is. But at Jesus' insistence, John baptizes him. A few days later, a couple of John's disciples Andrew, and probably John, the author of the gospel, are with John the Baptist as Jesus walks by. John the Baptist says to the two men, Look, the Lamb of God. They're intrigued and immediately begin following Jesus. Seeing them behind him, Jesus stops and turns to them and asks them a question that at first seems fairly innocuous but it's actually a question filled with deep meaning and implication. What do you want? What are you looking for? We understand that this question can be answered in a number of ways, depending on who's asking it and what it pertains to. There are times when all of us are looking for something we've lost, like our car keys, a book, our cell phone. If someone finds us searching for the misplaced item and asks us, what are you looking for? Our answer is pretty straightforward and immediate. I can't find my car keys again, or I'm looking for the book I'm reading. But when someone stops us, when we're not in the middle of a search and asks, what are you looking for? And when that someone is Jesus, then we're dealing with a whole other situation. When we think about Jesus asking us, what are you looking for? We may at first be tempted to answer this question fairly quickly. I'm looking for enough money to be comfortable. I'm looking for success. Or I'm looking to be recognized and appreciated for what I do. But as we take time to think and take a deeper look, our answers may include, I'm looking for contentment. I just want this feeling of restlessness to go away. I'm searching for meaning and purpose in my life. I'm looking for peace. I want a peace that not only lets me go to sleep at night, but allows me to sleep through the night? Or maybe our answer is, I don't know. I honestly don't know what I'm looking for. I know something is missing in my life, but I'm not quite sure what it is. Sometimes I think it's one thing, but when I get it, I'm only satisfied for a little bit Then the satisfaction seems to disappear, and I'm ready to move on to the next thing. It's kind of that feeling that most of us have experienced when we're at home in the evening reading a book or watching a movie and realize that we're hungry, that we're craving something, but we're not quite sure what. So we go to the kitchen and we spend way more time than we should standing in front of an open cupboard or the open refrigerator door trying to decide what sounds good, what we want. So we eat some chips and realize, "Mm, no, that really isn't what I want. So then we try some ice cream, but that isn't quite it either. So even though we're fairly full by the time we're done, We still haven't satisfied that deeper craving. It reminds me of one of Bono's hit songs, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. The lyrics lament that no matter what he does, what experiences he has, he's never satisfied He describes the spiritual yearning, the need for fulfillment, and the futile search that this present world can't fully satisfy as he returns to the haunting words of the chorus, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. What a tragic way to live our lives, searching yet never finding We tend to think that if we just change jobs, change friends, the location of where we live, or if we have more money or a better car or a nicer home, then we'll have what we're looking for. We want to believe that improving or changing our circumstances will satisfy us and bring inner contentment. And sometimes a change in our circumstances is needed. There are times when change is the right thing. God often uses change to open us up to him as, and as a means to move us forward. But it becomes a problem when we believe that change is what will ultimately satisfy our deepest longings. Some theologians refer to this longing, this yearning within us, as homesickness of the soul. The Greek name for homesickness is nostalgia, which means pain or desire for what is known. It's a yearning and longing for something past. It's a return home. Sometimes this longing is for something we once had, while other times it's a longing for something we've never had. The first time I remember becoming clearly aware of my own homesickness of the soul was when I was in high school. It was summer and I'd been out with some friends that evening, probably scooping the loop. This was a tradition where high school students would pile into a car and then drive down a main street, making a U-turn in an empty parking lot to then go back and do it all over, again and again and again. As I think back on it, it was really kind of crazy. But we did it because gas was 50-some cents a gallon, and there really wasn't a lot to do on a Friday night in a small town in Iowa. When I got home that night, everyone else was in bed, So the house was very quiet. I remember going to the refrigerator to get a glass of lemonade when I was struck with this overwhelming sense of homesickness. It was so strange because I was at home. We had lived in the same town for eight or nine years, so it wasn't like we had just moved and I was longing for someplace else. It was such an odd feeling. I was home, and yet I was homesick. Because this feeling wouldn't go away, I began thinking about why it was so overwhelming to me. What was going on? As I was thinking about it, the Holy Spirit convicted me that my relationship was not what it should be with God In that moment, I realized that I had been putting other things and even people in the place that was meant for only him. It's not that I didn't care about God. I just didn't have the kind of relationship that I was intended to have with him, leaving me with this homesickness of the soul. Because God designed us to have a relationship within Him, with him, deep within us is this desire, craving, longing for him that can't be filled with anything or anyone else. We see this longing in the words of the psalmist in Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul th- pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God, where can I go and find God? God has placed a profound, persistent, and lasting homing instinct for himself deep within the heart of each one of us. This homesickness of the soul that God has placed within us is intended to lead us to him. Sixth century theologian and scholar, St. Maximus the Confessor, wrote, When God created us in his image, he gave us a mind that we may come to know him, a heart to desire him, to long for him, to crave him, and run after him, to be homesick for him. God also gave us a free will so we may freely choose to love him and come home to him. This homesickness for God can express itself through loneliness, a discontent with life, burying ourselves in our work, activities, entertainment, relationships, and through all sorts of material possessions. We can try to ignore this homesickness. We can disguise it. We can wrongly label it, but it won't disappear because the meaning and goal of life For each one of us is to respond to this homing instinct within us and allow God to make his home in us. In one way or another, we all want to affirm the words of the psalmist in Psalm 90, verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place, our home, throughout all generations. And the words of Jesus in John 14:23 If anyone loves me they will obey my teaching my father will love will love them and will come to them and make our home in them But the burning question is how do we get where we want to be how do we come to the place of home that fulfills our deepest longings and desires how do we find what we're looking for? The same way Andrew and John do. They answer Jesus' question with their own question. Where do you live? Why do they ask Jesus where he lives? Doesn't this seem like an odd response? What are they getting at? And how does this question move them to a closer answer to their longings and desires. Are they looking for an actual address? Do they want to see the kind of neighborhood Jesus lives in? I think it's something else. They've been listening to John the Baptist for quite a while. They've heard him talk about repentance. They've also heard him talk about the one to come, the one whose sandals he's unworthy to untie. The promised one they've been seeking for a long, long time. Then that day, as Jesus walks by, John declares, Behold the Lamb of God. John has deeply influenced these two men, so they have a sense of expectant hope as they follow Jesus. Hope that Jesus is who John says he is and hope that Jesus can answer the desires and longings within them. Think about those who have influenced your life, pointed you towards Jesus. Who has nurtured you by helping you see Jesus as the hope you're looking for? Who has spurred you on to a deeper walk in faith, to take steps that you probably wouldn't have taken without them? Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher, a youth leader, a friend, a neighbor, or a parent. We heard this a couple of weeks ago when the graduating college seniors shared their testimonies. So many of them talked about the people who influenced them, who pointed them towards Jesus, who encouraged them to a deeper life of faith in God. But as wonderful as these influences are, eventually we have to decide what we want from Jesus. Do we want to walk toward him or away from him? And this is really at the heart of their question about where Jesus lives. It's their way of saying, we want more than just a brief conversation alongside the road. We want a relationship, a relationship that answers our inner longings and searching. We want to spend time with Jesus. There's something about just being with Jesus that has the potential to change us if we're willing. This time alone with him is not only restorative for our souls— but it can help us gain or regain an eternal perspective on life. We see this with Andrew and John as their time with Jesus opens their eyes to what life can be with him. We know that they don't learn all there is to know about Jesus, but it sets them on a journey of discovery that we see revealed in the Gospels and beyond. During this time, they not only find their homecoming in Jesus, but they discover that Jesus' question, what are you looking for, involves all of the other longings and desires within them. This is significant for them and for us. Jesus wants us to explore these longings and desires because they have the power to affect every part of our lives. As we do this, Jesus helps us sift through all of our longings and desires to challenge us about giving up those that are harmful to us, that lead us away from him, or to challenge us to allow him to reconfigure good longings that are out of order. So much of life and the desires of life are gifts of God. They can reveal God's heart and will for us. But like most everything else, God's gifts can become more important than God himself. And when this happens, we get sidetracked or worse from what God desires for us. Yet sometimes we still struggle with exactly what these longings and desires are deep within us. One person has suggested that a way of discovering what we most deeply desire and long for is to imagine what we want said about us and our life at our funeral. In order to help us think through this, we may ask ourselves, do I want to be remembered as someone who loved deeply or was self-centered? As someone who responded with compassion to those in need or didn't have all that much time to really care? As someone who encouraged others or was critical and judgmental? These questions aren't about how we're living at the moment. They're about what we desire most for our lives. What do we still want to do with our lives? What kind of people do we want to become? And what kind of life do we want to live? What are we looking for? These questions will take time for us to answer as we think about them, how we're currently living the choices and commitments we're making, our motives, and where and how Jesus fits in to all of it. Doing this exercise can help us begin to honestly discover what we're really longing for and desiring, so we may give all these longings and desires to Jesus so that through his Spirit, He can use them to expand our lives in ways we never thought possible. And as we do this, we begin to see God's grace on display, that he wants more for us than we even want for ourselves. Jesus created us to experience meaning and fulfillment, to live lives of significance and depth, In John 10.10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus wants us to live passionate, abundant lives with real joy. But an even more profound grace of Jesus to us is the great surprise that we probably take for granted, that Jesus wants to spend time with us that he longs to spend time with us. And this is really at the heart of this encounter with Andrew and John. This is the turning point of this entire encounter. They ask, where do you live? Jesus answers, come and see. This invitation is more significant than it appears on the surface This is an invitation of grace. Jesus welcomes them into his life. He invests time and energy into them. Why? Because Jesus knows that they are looking, searching for more, and he wants them to know, to understand his desire to meet that need. They don't have to beg him. He invites them, come and see. The gospel is always about Jesus desiring us more than we desire him. Our desire for him is a response of his desire for us. We see this truth over and over again in scripture that Jesus longs to be with us. He wants to talk with us, not only about our life and the direction it's going, but he also wants to talk with us about our day, how it went, how we responded to certain situations, what we experienced. We may wonder, why does Jesus want us to share all this with him when he already knows all about it? For the past 20 years, Wes and I have worked together here at the church. We're in meetings together. We work on some projects together. We're very aware of what the other one is doing throughout the day. And even though our offices are only 32 feet and 7 and 3 quarter inches apart, every evening we still talk about our day, what we did things we're working on. Why? Because we need and want this connection with one another. Because we love each other, we desire this communication, and we look forward to sharing, even if we already know most of what happened that day. Jesus knows all about us. He knows our desires and longings, but we connect with him and gain his perspective when we open up and share these things with him. Jesus is with us all the time, yet he says, come, tell me about it. We don't know exactly what Andrew, John, and Jesus talked about that afternoon and evening. But we know it's significant, because by the end of the day, they are on board with Jesus. And it seems to all come back to his question to them, What are you looking for? As we talk with Jesus, our eyes are open to who he is, to the nature of God, and that we can trust him. But one of the greatest discoveries is that as we spend time with Jesus, we find we want to spend more and more time with him. An old story tells of a rabbi living in a Russian city about a century ago. Disappointed by his lack of direction and purpose in life, He wanders out one chilly evening with his hands thrust deep into his pockets. He aimlessly walks the empty, dark streets, questioning his faith in God, the scriptures, and his calling to ministry. The only thing colder than the Russian winter air is the chill within his soul he feels so enshrouded by his own despair that by mistake, he wanders on to a Russian military compound off-limits to civilians. He jumps at the bark of the Russian soldier who shatters the silence of the evening chill. Who are you and what do you want? What are you looking for? Excuse me, replies the rabbi. With a sense of frustration, the soldier repeats his questions. I said, who are you? What do you want? What are you looking for? After a brief moment, the rabbi, in a gracious tone, so as to not further provoke the soldier, asked, how much do you get paid every day? What does that have to do with you? The soldier responds. With the joy of someone making a new discovery, the rabbi says, I'll pay you the exact same amount if you'll ask me those same questions every day. Who are you? What do you want? What? Are you looking for? This encounter and these questions changed the rabbi's life. Can you hear Jesus' still small voice asking you, What are you looking for? He invites you, he welcomes you. He wants you to come and see and experience not only what you're looking for, but life in him that's beyond anything you could ever dream or imagine. Lord Jesus, help us as we honestly think about our lives In what we're looking for, what we're longing for, what we desire, be at work within us so we may become all that you have created us to be and live abundant and full lives in you. This we pray in your name. Amen. Receive the benediction. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.